0: You're listening to the Women's Hope Podcast of the Masters University with Dr. Shelby Cullen and Kimberly Cummings. Join them as they bring hope and encouragement through 25 years of combined experience in biblical discipleship and counseling as ACBC counselors. Shelby and Kimberly provide biblical and practical wisdom by coming alongside women with the teaching and resources necessary to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Women's Hope Podcast. I am so excited today. (laughs) Let me tell you listeners, uh, we have a very special guest today. Uh, Shelby is unable to join us today, but I get you all to myself, (laughs) (laughs) so I am thrilled. Yes, we have a very special guest for today's discussion on our series, Issues of the Heart. So today we have our dear sister, Betty Price, welcome Betty. Thank you Kim. I am so glad you're here. Uh, Betty I want to introduce you to our listeners. Um, not everybody has had the privilege of getting to know <laughs> Gosh, you uh, as I have but Betty you are just such a committed a teacher uh, to the authority of God's Word. I even met some girls last night and I said you know, If I could just define Betty in one word, (laughs) it would be loyal. And then I said, wait a minute, (laughs) I've got to do another one, faithful. Mm -hmm. You You are so faithful to the Word of God, and you focus on clear biblical principles and practical application when teaching God's Word to the lives of women. And that has been evident for decades. Uh, You've also worked in many, many capacities (laughs) at the Masters University. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have been a women's dean, associate dean of students, women's ministry director, and full-time faculty. And you're currently an adjunct faculty member in the school of biblical studies you have been here from the get-go right i tell students i've been here about a hundred years now. <laughs> just a hundred <laughs> just a hundred and it's been since 1985 yes 1985. So the year I got married. Oh wow! You began working at the university. So just to put it in perspective, that's that's been a long time. <laughs> just long. for you to be so faithful and loyal mm-hmm. to uh, to teach God's word to women It's just phenomenal. But you also are very concerned as you teach women. Uh, you teach classes regarding personal study of the Bible. And personal discipleship as well as spiritual growth. What parent, Christian parent, would not want to send <laughs> their daughter <laughs> here to take courses like that, right? Uh, what a privilege to be a part of a, a university that invests in the lives of women with such courses. And there's more. So, uh, so grateful for that. Your education uh, is. That you have a B.A. in Journalism and English. You also have an M.A. in Biblical Studies and a year of Graduate Studies, which this is really cool, at the Institute of Holy Land Mm -hmm. Studies in Jerusalem, which is now known as the Jerusalem University College. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that must have been an adventure, what years was that? That's a
1: great word for it, adventure. It was an amazing, amazing year. Um, that was the year before I came to master's. Okay. It was the 84-85 school okay. year.
0: Wow. Yeah. What, a, what a privilege yeah. to get to be in the Holy Land and to study for yeah, for a year. Truly. I think that'll have to be one of my uh, conversations <laughs> with you sometime about okay. what that was like. I have several because I know you also did. This is not uh, something that we've talked about recently. But, Betty, you also used to do evangelism on the Sunset Strip. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
1: That was way long ago. How long ago was that? Oh, probably 50 years ago.
0: (laughs) Betty, I would have liked to have been a fly (laughs) on the wall, because the Sunset Strip today is not what the Sunset Strip was in the 50s. Right. Um, And to me, that just shows uh, the boldness and the confidence that you have in Christ To go to such a dark place um, and evangelize in the thick of a movement.
1: Yeah, and and honestly, I would have to say I wasn't the boldest evangelist. It was largely a learning time for me following others around who were bold evangelists and watching. But it helped me to learn more about um, just how to reach out to people and to... Have that hunger to share the gospel with people who need it.
0: And praise the Lord for those people.
1: Yeah, amen. That that invested in you. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yes. But um I just I can't help but think again, just your love for the Lord being evident and being a disciple, being a learner, um, and how to share uh the the preciousness of the gospel. With a lost and dying world, and going into the thick of the fire, right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so there's hurting people everywhere, and yeah. and so I just, I just want to uh, encourage you that uh, that is stuck in my head wow. for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> that you. Just are really not afraid to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that being said, uh, you're not just a teacher. You have also spent summers uh, doing mission trips. You have participated in home missions mm-hmm. uh, in New York City, inner city Baltimore, uh, the Navajo Reservation, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, And you've also done foreign missions. You've been to Romania, uh, the Soviet Union, Russia, Ukraine, South Africa, and Mozambique. So you're also very (laughs) well-traveled. So I just love your desire to share God's Word wherever He has you. Thank you. So thank you for that. I know I've benefited from it. And so you are really speaking my love language (laughs) anytime you mention the word mission trip, and especially to Russia, because I've been to yeah. Siberia twice yeah. and to Moscow. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is a definitely a heartbeat of mine as well. I've been
1: so grateful for those opportunities to travel and to do it through mission trips. I mean, I grew up with a father who would travel as far as we wanted to go as long as he could be back in his own bed that night. So obviously, I had no hope of going more than a few miles from where I grew up. And God really changed all that, and I'm forever grateful.
0: That is amazing. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. we were both raised in the South, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right. And I think that must be a Southern thing because <laughs> it was the mentality in my home. You know, we have everything we need right here in the great state yeah, of yeah. Texas. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Why go anywhere else? Yeah. And so it was a very similar a mindset. Yeah. So it really wasn't until I met my beloved that we began, yeah. you know, those types of travels. And boy, was my heart and mind opened <laughs> to right, right. Uh, what's going on in other cultures, God's right. love for people all everywhere. over the world, right? That we will be with. All of eternity. Well, I have digressed greatly <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we could do this over coffee anytime. but I just I just want to mention one more thing about my personal connection with you because I think this is so important as as our podcast is really we have emphasized discipleship so much and uh, helping women to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, Betty, it was in 1997 when I was a a sem wife, and I would go on Wednesday nights to Seminary Wives, and you actually taught one evening on women's ministries. And I had just come with my husband from a church that was uh, full of just the whole seeker sensitive movement. They had made that switch from being a Bible-teaching church to a secret-sensitive church, and so we had come out to to TMS for for Mm -hmm. my beloved to go to seminary. So at Seminary Wives, it was uh, one night you speaking on women's ministries, and you opened up the Bible to Titus 2, (laughs) and I was like... Well, this is not like anything I've seen before wow. <laughs> coming from, right, a secret-sensitive church where it was program centric. And so that stuck with me all of these years. Mm-hmm. And that is why the women's ministry that I'm involved in that I've been in various places is focused on the word of God and discipleship. Because you just opened the book of Titus mm-hmm. Titus and showed us clearly what it looks like for for women to mi- be ministering within the church as as Paul as, as Paul was encouraging Titus to set the church in order. Yeah. And so Shelby and I just did a series on Titus 2, so you can listen to that and okay. learn more about I'd what we <laughs> what we what we discussed yeah. as we looked at Titus two. But Betty, you were that yeah. initial influence to me, so. I'm going to get away from old home week, (laughs) and we are going to just jump right into our topic, because, Betty, we are told in Psalm 423 that we are to guard our hearts with all diligence, because from it flow the springs of life. And Howard Hendricks' book, Living by the Book? Yes, great book. Yes, and you actually use it.
1: I do. And the other classes in the Bible, School of Biblical Studies at Masters use that book as well.
0: Yeah, that was m- one of my first tools that I really, as I was getting into learning to be a teacher, that I began using. And I'll mention that on our Facebook group, so the women will have a link to it if That's they great. like, um, because it is so helpful. But one of the things that Howard Hendricks said in Living by the Book um, was when he became a believer, someone wrote in the front of his Bible, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And I love that turn on the phrase, of the phrase, right, because it is so true. And as we think about discipling other women, teaching other women, the authority uh, that we have is God's word. Uh, So today we want to briefly address the issue of neglect of the study of Scripture and give our listening audience some hope with some practical principles that you've been teaching for years, (laughs) decades, really, uh, to help them grow in their study time. And it's my prayer that our listeners can say, as the psalmist says in Psalm 119, 97, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day. Day long, uh, When we become women who study the scripture, that is what we will have and chew upon, right, right. Uh, in our minds all day long. And that will help us in how we live our lives in obedience as we decide, uh, desire to glorify God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And um, when when we study the word for the purpose of being doers of the word and, and imi- as imitators of Christ – it's really by the grace of God that our studies will literally come to life, right? Wow. I ran into this Vodi Bauckham quote, and it said, The church is filled with many passionate people with empty heads who have a love of Jesus they don't know very well. And I thought, that is so true. That is so, so true. And we have to be in the Word to know who Christ is and to love Him more fully. And here's some of the maybe the reasons that we hear. And you can chime in, Betty. <laughs> uh, we, and we've talked about this personally. I've asked right. you questions right. before because I want to know what you have observed in your years of teaching women. But one of the things that we hear uh, is an excuse and it's, I don't have the time. Well, really, it would probably be more, if we were honest, I'm not making the time. Yeah. Right. Because God has given every person 24 hours a day. He and his sovereign love and care designed the day as such. Right. 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 And so he has asked us to make that a priority as we seek and love him. Right. So it's not that we don't have the time. It's a priority issue. The
1: books on time management say that we all do what we consider the important things to do. And so it has to do with whether we value that and, as you said, whether it's a priority. Obviously, with God, it's a priority. And we want it to be with us, too.
0: Absolutely. And it's a desire, right? Right. It comes down to our desires and what do we desire. And do we really believe? Do we believe in the sufficiency? Do we believe in the authority of God's Word? And so, when we truly believe that, we will choose to make that a priority. And we did interview Greg Gifford on his new book. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, be sure to listen to that interview with him as well. I'm yeah. not here doing shameless plugs all day, but <laughs> but you know that yeah. he we talked about that we we need to develop good habits mm-hmm. uh, for study of the Word of God. So there's also this idea of we choose poor replacements. For the study of Scripture, and I think we see this uh, through social media, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. The Instagram Bibles, you know, yeah. quote unquote, where we just get little snippets of truth that people have written about Scripture, yeah. But we're not actually in Scripture, or maybe we're choosing to be spoon fed by our pastor, right? Right, but not being a Berean, right? And studying the Word, right? As we as we see in Acts, you know, that we are to be Bereans and look and see if it's true. Right. And we choose to read books about the Bible, maybe, rather than reading the Bible. Guilty of that. I'm a bibliophile. And good
1: books about the Bible are good, but they're not a replacement ever for Scripture.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: God works uniquely through His Word.
0: Yes, but through gifted people. Right. Right. Uh, that he has given us, but they are never to replace right. uh, the Holy Spirit-inspired scripture. Right. So those are just a few tiny observations. But really, I want the women to be given um, hope and just to really consider, you know, am I making this a priority in my day yes. and uh, carving out the time? Um, if you're a young mother with littles, what? What a more beautiful thing to show them. You know, I can't think of anything really yeah. than for them to see you at the kitchen table when they get out of bed with mm. your Bible open and uh, your highlighters out studying the scripture. Yeah, that's uh, great. You'll be better prepared to be a mom. Yeah, right? exactly. To love those littles. Mm. And when the, when the hard times come, you know, what yeah. will be in the reservoir? Yes. So... I want to just ask you about one other thing that we are seeing a lot of, and that's eisegesis opposed to exegesis. So will you help us to understand the difference between the (laughs) two? (laughs) And what do these words mean? And why does it matter that we know the difference between these two ways of study?
1: And really, whether anybody uses those terms or not, it's helpful to understand the issues that those words are referring to. Absolutely. Um, I think in years past, I have felt like women's Bible studies tended to be very fluffy. And often, the idea of Bible study, when a group got together was a leader would maybe read a verse or a passage and say, let's go around the circle and everybody share what this means to you.
0: Warning, warning. (laughs) Yeah,
1: red red alert here. Um, Scripture never means something different to every person in the room. Generally, in Bible study, um, the correct view is that there's really one interpretation, only one interpretation of the passage. Now, even good, godly scholars can sometimes disagree on exactly some of the details. But there's one meaning. There's not a different meaning for every person in the circle. There might be a slightly different application.
0: One interpretation.
1: But maybe many applications. Yes. But the idea, um, exegesis, um, the beginning of that word starts with the Greek preposition ek, which in English would be ek, and it means out of. I, I I would imagine we get the word exit from that. Preposition out Excellent. of. So what you're doing is you're trying to study, is you're finding out the meaning, which is not in you, it's in the text. You're looking for the meaning of the passage that the author intended when he wrote it initially, and you're reading that out of the text because the meaning is in the text. I said Jesus, um, the preposition at the beginning I in English it would be eis, and means literally means into. So it would be the idea that you're reading Scripture and you're looking for meaning in yourself and reading that into the Scripture, which means you're not studying Scripture at all. So for the women who went around that circle and told what it, in quotes, meant to them, they're really just studying their own personal opinion, and that's what they're expressing to each other. Or maybe they were actually expressing applications, but people weren't using the right kind of terminology to understand that.
0: That's a great clarification right there. And I I love how you just stated that. And that is something that is rampant uh, within the body of Christ, not just within women's ministries, right? But you're right. I, I, I wish we could do a historical study on how we went from tea parties right you know yeah. from studying god's word yeah. to just like just throwing out a little passage you know <laughs> <laughs> as a as a dainty little flower and and just thinking oh you know how yeah. precious this is and what i what do i think it means yeah you know we're placing ourselves over right over god who breathed out the word of god right we're placing ourselves over the Word of God. Yeah. Uh, who God breathed that Word out with right. His intentions for right. us, not our intentions right. for us. Right. So as Shelby always says, <laughs> it's not about you. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you know, another important part of this is context is so crucial to interpreting Scripture and to understanding it. Absolutely. And and you've probably heard people say it's like if you take something out of context, you can make it say almost anything that you want it to say. One of the examples I use in class is you mentioned Tea Party is what triggered this in my mind. A little invitation that was printed up and sold in Christian bookstores And it had a picture of a little table and two chairs, and the tea sets all on the table. And it quotes um, one verse, part of a verse, from Psalm 55 about we had sweet fellowship together. And when you go back to Psalm 55 and you read that and you study it, David is talking about someone who was a close friend, and we had sweet fellowship together, and now he has utterly betrayed me. Yeah. It's just—it's embarrassing. It's like here's this beautifully printed little card that you mail out as invitations to come to your tea party— And it's just totally misrepresented what Scripture says.
0: Well, and someone who would know the context of that would go, great, I'm about to get stabbed in the back. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The way they cover that is they don't give the actual verse reference. They just say it's taken from the book of Psalms.
0: Yeah, you actually showed me a picture of that. Yeah, yeah, Betty, I asked you for that because I thought, I need yeah. to have that visual aid yeah. in my little bag of tricks, yeah. you know, because it it's was great. such a powerful one. Yeah. Because, yeah, when you read Psalm 55, it's a lament yes, exactly. of what is going on of betrayal, Right. not uh, a tea party. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely not a tea party.
0: <laughs> well, that is a great explanation of really ice, the explaining eisegesis and exegesis and just even taking the those beginning words of of out and in. That was really helpful. Uh, I really appreciate that. And Betty, I have another question for you. Why is it important that we meditate on the Word of God and study the Word of God? And how is this going to be beneficial to us personally as we think of glorifying God and enjoying Him?
1: Okay. Well, I think of the book of Romans that Paul, there are 11 chapters of some of the most important doctrine for the church and for believers. And then he gets to chapter 12 and starts with that little verse, therefore, meaning now what do we do about all of this? And he begins by saying, present your bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord. And then he goes on to say, don't be conformed the world and the conformed the verb has the idea of external pressure on you to make you look a certain way, do a certain way, do things that conform to outwardly to what the world says. So don't be conformed to the world's way of functioning, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the transformed has the idea of something that begins inside you and comes to the outside. The verb there is one form of it is metamorphami, which gives you the picture of where we get metamorphosis with the butterfly. It's not an external pressure. It's something internal that in our minds, in our hearts, um, the total of our being that then shows up in a powerful way Mm -hmm. on the outside. But we're transformed to be more like Christ, to keep growing in Christ, in our thinking, we're transformed by the renewing. Because none of us is born thinking biblically, right? We you know no. the opposite <laughs> of that. And so to, to grow in what it means to think biblically about things. And I just, the whole topic of our thought life is just a huge, huge issue. We could talk for hours just on that. Um, Paul talks about in Philippians, don't be anxious. But But pray, and then he goes on to say, in your thinking, think on these things. Um, And the first thing there is what is true. I mean, if we live in our minds in a fantasy world, whether it's the what if or the, you know, what, 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 all the uncertainties, you know, what we allow ourselves to think about has everything to do with whether or not we're anxious period. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, learning how in every situation, whatever comes, whatever we're dealing with and interacting with other people, trying to give godly counsel to other people, the more we think biblically, the more we are, God is, that's how he is transforming us into the likeness of Christ. Well, how we do that is by the more we know of Scripture, the more we're familiar with it. Not just favorite passages, but becoming more and more familiar with the overview and the whole story of Scripture and the meaning that is there. Yeah, and just as we pray, as we fellowship, but all of that is done around the Word so that as we meditate constantly on the truths that we're reading in the Word, we begin to think about everything, more biblically, and obviously, memorization is a great way to help us meditate Absolutely. on Scripture. And I'm—I mm-hmm. can't say that I'm one who has several hundred Bible verses memorized and and review them every single day. Um, but through the years, there have been any number of verses, and the ones with my class where we work on First Peter every, all semester, mm-hmm. um, and I have them memorize six verses. I memorized to be able to share with them. I'm doing this too. 1 Peter one three through nine, which to me in so many ways just encompasses who God is, who I am before Him, what He's done for me, who Christ is, um, and I just I find myself often even quoting those um, seven verses to myself at night or to the Lord even <laughs> right. before I fall asleep at night, and so, or sometimes when I'm driving distances and really that's a great passage for me. To, that I can meditate on without even pulling out my Bible because I haven't memorized.
0: Betty, this is so encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if meditating on God's Word is a challenge to any of our listeners, we have interviewed Susan Heck and she has now memorized the whole New Testament oh, my and is working on the New Testament. I know, right? It's, yeah, it's that's encouraging amazing. and convicting yeah, at the it, same time. Exactly. Um, but I think that was episode number nine. It was one of our first episodes way back when. Here we are on like 128 or something like that. So uh, really uh, take to heart maybe even listening to that episode because she gives some great helps on uh, meditating, on the scripture, because when you begin to do that memorization, you're breaking it down, right? And you're doing some observations right. through exactly. that process, exactly. and that is a that is a wonderful way to help the study of scripture. Right. But I had you here specifically <laughs> <laughs> because you teach on essential principles. Of of personal Bible study, and so if, as a professor, you've been teaching that for how long? Oh, I think I started that particular
1: class in two thousand three.
0: Okay, so we're we're almost <laughs> to twenty two decades. Oh my! <laughs> so I wanted you to come and share this with our women, and I want the women, if they can, to take some notes on some of these principles that you're going to just briefly overview with the women but i will be giving some um links to some tools in our facebook group of things that you use in your own that's great yeah in your own course uh to help our women to be able to do the same what you're teaching them. But why don't you share some principles with us regarding Scripture and begin with the reading of Scripture.
1: Kim, I also want to say thank you for inviting me here today. Um, I appreciate you so much. I'm glad that after that one time at Seminary Wise, we discovered we were kindred spirits about a love of Scripture and doing ministry on a foundation of Scripture, and I loved getting to invite you and have you come speak to the women at my church. Just Always a privilege. a few years ago, too. So thank yeah. you. Thank you, my friend.
0: My privilege. My privilege.
1: And as we talk about reading Scripture, I believe that it's important for us as believers as much as we can to be um, growing more and more in an understanding of the whole of Scripture, not just having certain favorite passages that we go mm. to all the time. Um, I think it's good for us to be reading through the whole of Scripture. I think a lot of believers do that once a year. They use certain reading plans, and they go through all of Scripture in a year. For somebody who's really new to that, um, I, I would say don't set up a goal that you can't um, accomplish and then just feel defeated and quit. Mm. Um, start in small steps and do it how—I I think some people— When they first start to read, they think, oh, I should just start in Genesis and go all the way through, and they make it through Genesis and Exodus, and maybe in Leviticus they kind of um, stop, and maybe they never get the rest of the way through. So you have to find a reading plan that really works for you. I've used Mm -hmm. different ones over the years. Um, And sometimes I've done it a couple of times in a little bit less than a year. And sometimes I stick with the year plan. And sometimes I've taken two or three years and just gone more slowly through. So I don't think we have to be legalistic with ourselves. But when I knew quite a few years ago I was going to be teaching others, I felt like it was really important for me to make it a continual thing, to be going through the whole Bible. Obviously, there are parts of it I've studied more, know a little bit more about than others, but I feel like it's important for me to keep reading through all of it. And your um, listeners can explore the different kinds of uh, reading plans that are out there. The one that I've been using this year and I really like, Tim Chalice had recommended, maybe people are familiar with him. Sure. With his blog and his book reviews. He's actually an elder in a church in Toronto where a um, Masters grad is the pastor and a friend I well, was there. I did not know that. I was there many years ago, but I don't even know if Tim was there at that point. It was right at the beginning of that church. But his the plan that he found that he was recommending on his blog, it's called Five-Day Bible Reading Plan, and it has you reading in the Old Testament and the New Testament every day, and then with Psalms interspersed every two or three days, and it's somewhat chronologically where it matches up um, the historical books like Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, okay. and then like where uh, Um, if you're in Samuel and something David's dealing with, if he's written a psalm specifically related to that, you'll be reading that psalm on that day. So I think it's very well put together. Um, I have a a handout of the one for 2021. I looked at their website a couple of days ago, and I couldn't find their 2022 one yet, but I would assume it'll be there soon.
0: Well, and this is the time of year, yeah. uh, December, when a lot of uh, bloggers like Tim Challey's, I know Michelle Leslie, and I know some others will uh, it, give suggestions right. of good reading plans. Right, um, Betty, because you are mentioning reading plans, there is one that I started doing a long time ago. I haven't done it in a while, and it actually is just spending time in the New Testament for three years, and you read wow. 10 pages of Scripture every day for 30 days. Oh, wow. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that was MacArthur's spiritual boot camp uh, method. And I've done that a couple of times, and I've done it with uh, some women who I was discipling, mm-hmm. And uh, we would then get together and go over these passages. But you know, those first ten days, you're just getting acquainted. Right. You know with right. the with the passage that you're reading over and over again. You know, you can do, you know, ten pages. You're you can do first, second, third John, right? right. Uh, all together, and that's where we started. Huh. And uh, we would do those, and we would mull over that for ten days, and you're really starting to get a grasp of. Of the of the passage, right. and you're seeing all those keywords, and you're you're seeing the key themes, and uh, you, so you know you're really starting right. to get a hold of that, and then um, then you start asking that you know these questions and things like that. And I don't want to steal your thunder because you're going to be going there in a second, but you know that was a specific one yeah. that was real meaningful to. Uh, my husband and I that's great. So uh, I think I'm gonna actually put that one on the Facebook group as well. That's great. I have it in just a simple document showing uh, what we did in the New Testament. The only book that's not in there is Revelation uh, but all you know all the other books and that is a wonderful place uh, because you're in the Epistles right so much and of course you know the book of Acts and so you see the history um, but it was just a really meaningful. Uh, time of discipleship yeah. so I think I'll put that in our group and That's I'm going to definitely look up Tim Challies, that sounds wonderful I think it's
1: important for people to find a plan they'll stick with If uh, if you're trying a plan and, and you just you're not sticking with it then find another one right the important thing is to read scripture not to be right. a slave to your reading plan the reading plans are meant to be a tool to help us right right so th- people are at all different stages of how much reading they've done or how much they're going to stick with something or just even the personal discipline of doing this every day. So find a good plan and determine to stick with it. But if something happens and you're not, if the issue is the plan, it may just be our own discipline, right?
0: Right. But if
1: the issue is the plan, then find another plan, but keep reading.
0: That is so encouraging, Betty. I really appreciate that. And just mentioning, you know, don't let it become an issue of legalism. Right. That is so important because that is not the intention that God has for uh, his people. Uh, With his word. Right. It's
1: the very opposite. In using the reading plans, we have to make sure that we're coming to scripture not just to be able to check off on our plan (laughs) that we read the assigned reading for the day, but we're coming with prayerful hearts seeking to know God more and to learn from him. And oh, yeah, eventually we get to check off on our list, but we don't want to make that the prime thing. One author used the term just just to turn the page. Mm. You know, that's not what it's about. It's about knowing God through His Word and the work of His Spirit through His
0: Word. That is is so good. And how about for busy young mothers? Mm -hmm. Can you suggest maybe something to them that might be helpful if the actual turning of the pages is even a challenge in this stage of their life?
1: I think that probably is the hard, about the hardest time
0: mm-hmm. uh, I
1: tell the girls here at Masters when some of them will say, I'm just too busy, I don't get it done. And I'm like, let me just tell you, in all of my years of getting to go and be at women's events and talk to women, I have never heard a woman say the busiest time in her life that she couldn't get into the word were her college years. So just don't have the kind of thinking that I, I don't have time now, but as soon as I get out of school, it, if you're not building the habit now, you won't be later. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. One of the things that I think maybe could help young moms and, and, and really all of us maybe is listening to Scripture when you don't feel like you can sit with a Bible open on your lap and read um, I think for a long time, because I'm more of a visual learner, I just felt like I need to read. And if I'm only listening, I'm not really doing all that that I should do. It's beneficial,
0: but um, yeah, yeah. is it the best way?
1: Yeah, and I, think we, I don't think that that should be our only scriptural intake, or maybe there are certain periods of time when it's either that or nothing, but I think it can be a very useful thing. And I have learned over, as I've been doing more of that the last, Few years, I've learned to discipline myself better to not get distracted and to actually listen. Oh. And sometimes when I realize I've been distracted, I'll go back and listen to the same book or chapter three times instead of just the one time through. But where I didn't always value it so much, Lisa George, whom I think you've had mm-hmm. on here, she and mm-hmm. I are good friends, and we traveled to Montana together for the memorial service of a child who died um, that was from a woman who'd been a resident director for us working at Masters for a number of years. And Lisa and I stayed in a hotel room together. And every morning when the alarm went off, she would grab a towel and grab her phone and head for the bathroom. And I, as she's getting ready in the bathroom, I would hear scripture blaring in the bathroom. And I'm like, well, that's not a bad idea. you know." I, I could, love that idea. You know, when I'm putting mm-hmm. myself together in the morning, mm-hmm. I could be listening to scripture. I can't do that at the same time and turn pages in the book and read, but I could listen. Sure. So I think lately I've been doing almost kind of half and half. I make sure I read every day, but I also listen. And then it was encouraging. I got to hear Dr. Mike Block, who was a professor at Master Seminary, and now he's at another seminary here in the country. Um, but he talked about when he did a class on hermeneutics and Bible study, kind of a Sunday school class at my church. Um, He spoke about the value of listening to Scripture, that sometimes Mm -hmm. you pick up something you don't even pick up when you read, that it catches your attention. So I've been learning how to do that more and more, not as my only intake of Scripture, but to really value.
0: And for our our ESV readers, I know that uh, Kristen Getty just came out through. Yes, she did. (laughs) I believe Crossway put it out. Yeah. Uh, She has read through the Bible yes uh, so you can listen to that right. uh, for free through the ESV app so- I've been
1: that's where I've been listening I haven't listened to her as much lately that's kind of new I've been listening to the man they've had who has read the whole thing so mm-hmm. uh, but that's where I listen yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, you know, can you think of a more delightful voice no, to listen then, to? Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Truly. that's very that's very very helpful yeah. to, to 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 see how you can take both of those and use those. We know the more ways that we use uh, our hearing, our sight, even handwriting. Right. Um the, the the more of that that we do, the more we retain right so the more that we do of that the more beneficial it will be in our lives but now let's talk about studying the scripture okay we've talked about you know issues of the heart where we struggle uh, make excuses maybe laziness or maybe a wrong view right of studying the scripture uh, and not just being hearers of the Word, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Even though we talked about just listening to it. Right. But how now to study God's Word? Why don't you start out with some principles for us on that?
1: The important thing is to think about the time that's involved. And you probably can't do regular Bible study in just 10 minutes. I'm um, reading Dr. Todd Bowen's blog. He's a professor here at Masters, and he had said that and one of his blogs about Bible study, and I thought, yeah, I think that's really true. Um, And you don't have to block out hours and hours either. He recommended, like, trying to take a full hour to just really spend some time. What I um, recommend is um, even what you mentioned a minute ago. Years ago, I read the book of Philippians, every single day for 30 days. And I think that was through Dr. MacArthur's recommendation. But so much of Philippians is such a familiar book to me because I did that and it was a long time ago. But I think that can be a great way of getting into your study to learn about the value of repeated mm-hmm. reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a pastor friend who was going to preach on the book of Romans. And he I was amazed at this. But he read in one sitting all the way through all 16 chapters more than 50 times before he started to preach on it
0: absolutely wow but he said
1: he really wanted to try to get an understanding of paul's line of thinking all the way through the entire letter Mm -hmm. to the romans and so most of us are probably not going to sit and read romans over 50 times straight we could if that would be great Mm -hmm. but for us to learn how to do repeated reading and for all the ways that we can benefit from that One of the first things I would recommend is before anybody starts to study, and I do this with the class, is choose, prayerfully choose, whether it's a book like Philippians. I think that's a good one for somebody who hasn't really been studying to start with a small book like that, or a passage or whatever, to choose what it is you want to study. And obviously, you feel like you need to learn more about it or you wouldn't choose that to study, but take a blank sheet of paper, an index card, and write down what you already know about that book mm-hmm. and then put it away until you've finished your study, whether it's one hour in a day or whether you're going to work on it over a week or over a month. And don't pull it back out again until you feel like you've finished your study. It can be the most encouraging thing. I do that with the girls with First Peter that we're in for 15 weeks. And Honestly, there's almost no knowledge of First Peter that first day, and I tell them I'm not doing this to embarrass you. Mm-hmm. It's just it's for your benefit later on. So just you know, write what you already know, and there's almost nothing there that they know. Well, by 15 weeks later, where we've done a little bit every week over 15 weeks. I mean, they could write or type pages of what they know about First Peter. Mm-hmm. And so I give that sheet back to them the last week of class. And it's fun for me to watch the expressions on their faces when they look at, you know, what they wrote that first week because they have learned so much. What an encouragement yeah. to them. Yeah, absolutely. And wow. I do that with, we only spend like parts of two class sessions, maybe a total of two hours when I come to class one day and say, okay, now write down for me what you know about the book of Habakkuk. And I love watching the expressions on their faces because it's very rare that somebody's very familiar with mm-hmm. what's in the book of Habakkuk. But after just two hours of working through some study, they can then I hand that sheet back and they can write down a lot more
0: mm-hmm. about
1: it. So that it's a real encouraging, a real a great way to encourage yourself about the Bible study that you're doing. So start that way. Then I would say prayerfully choose this passage or chapter or book that you're going to work on. Okay. Um, print a copy of the text. Um, they're websites where you can get that. Rather than spend the time typing the whole thing out, you can copy and paste, and you can format it. Now, if you want to be marking it up even in between the lines, you can double or triple space it. Um, and
0: wide margins. And
1: yes, and wide <laughs> margins to write notes and ask questions and whatever. Um, but that's a great way so that—I mean, I have a Bible that I mark up and I write. In, it's a wide-margin Bible, and I make notes from commentaries. But I think this is a great way to save your Bible. And eventually, you might want to put some notes in there, but not all of right. your—you'll know, you be more free with what you mark up if you're probably not actually using your Bible. So read the, the paragraph or the book a few times or a lot of times— I would say write down some of your observations about the passage. This is what I see. This is what I think they're saying about this. Um, look up some word meanings if that's how. Especially if there are words in the passage that you don't know the meaning of, you can look up in an English dictionary. Mm-hmm. Um, there are websites where you can, and obviously there are books too if you want to buy that you can look up in a, a Greek to English lexicon or something and find out a root meaning of a word. But just mm-hmm. Using a simple English dictionary sometimes, if words are not familiar, to look those up. Just even answering the real basic questions, like from Hendrick's book, The Who, What, When, Where, Why. Mm -hmm. Um, We do that with other things we read. We just tend not to do it as much with Scripture, but to say, okay, who are the people? Like if it's an epistle like Philippians, who wrote this? Does it say that it's from more than one person, but eventually you realize it's only one? Because Paul often includes his partners Mm -hmm. in the introduction to um, to a book and the greeting. But then as you read on, you know it's really, he'll even make reference just to himself. And you know Paul is actually the one who wrote it. Mm -hmm. And then you start noticing, now what do I learn about Paul as I read through this? And you write those things down. And then you go back through and you think about, now, who is he writing to? Okay, this is Philippi. It's a church in Philippi. What do I know about or what do I learn about these people as I read? And you make notes and verse references as to what you're learning about the people. So you're doing the who. What is this all about? What's the main purpose? Why is he writing to them? What is he trying to accomplish? When did this happen um, where and go look up um, a map, maybe in the back of your Bible or online. Find a map and plot where it is because all of this takes place in a different location from where probably almost all of us are. And so learning a little bit about geography is a, mm-hmm. is a really helpful and important part of Bible yes, study. Yes, Very. Yeah. Uh, write down your own questions about the passage, about what it means. He says this, but what in the world does that mean? Yeah, things you know, that you're
0: unsure what? of. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And write down your questions about that. And then I think it's good to write down what you actually think that it means. I've had students say, oh, I've always been afraid of trying to interpret Scripture. Because I'm afraid I'll get it wrong, and I know that's a real serious thing. So, I mean, what I say to them and would say to all of us is that we really don't have to fear that as long as we're definitely going to check ourselves after we've done our own study to find out from those, the scholars who've written those commentaries and have studied way more than we have, that we check ourselves with them and make sure that our interpretation is correct or, right. or we adjust. Right. Um, I, I have told students in, in the class to be sure and, and check yourself with at least three reliable commentaries. Two might be fine. You want to find out what are the reliable commentaries and authors, and you really want to check You know what you have done. I learned from some of the other profs in the Bible department that this bestcommentaries.com is a good website for getting familiar more with authors who are... Seek to be true to Scripture, and they and they give you categories like whether it's a real academic and scholarly commentary or whether it's more devotional and just re- good, solid but readable for anybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're actually, I mean, everybody has to decide if they want to buy one or two commentaries if they don't actually have access to something like that. They're they're really good, reliable commentaries by good authors who are pa- that are paperbacks these days and not that expensive. Um, I like to buy a book like that and mark it up as I read, because I feel like I take in a lot more if I mark up the book like crazy. And then I keep it on my shelf, and if I have a question about that passage, I can go back to that commentary and look at it again. I know where to find that information. Sure, sure. I think um, I had in class one time where I had the girls working in small groups, and I had them wrestling with a passage, <laughs> one one of the groups was a little bit louder and talking, and I, so I was just kind of watching them from a distance. And I noticed that one girl—they talked about what this one thing could possibly mean. And it took about thirty seconds before she said, "Oh, here, let me read you the comment in, the, in my study Bible at the bottom." And I'm like, "Wow, that was only thirty seconds! You got to wrestle with it a little bit longer than thirty, 30 seconds, seconds. <laughs> to try to Lord, what do I do? I understand this or not?" But then I met a woman at a—I went to a conference when I was putting the class together to see—they were training women about being Bible study leaders all over the country for a certain organization. I'm like, I'm not there for their teaching, but to just see how they're teaching women to approach the Scriptures and what can I learn from that. And another woman who was attending happened to tell me that it her women's Bible study at her church, they'd been studying the Book of Romans for three years, and they hadn't looked at a commentary yet. And I was— I couldn't show her my real response (laughs) because I was mortified. Like, if you—something, any part of Scripture, but especially something with the kind of doctrine that Romans has, if you are, depending on your own interpretation, for three years and you got something wrong, by the time three years later you realize you were wrong, it's really hard to change your thinking, right? Very hard. I mean, we get really settled in, well, this is what this means, and then all of a sudden the— the scholars are saying, No, that's not what it means at all. It's really hard to let go. Uh, it does rock your, your world thing. a little yeah. bit when you're yeah. when you
0: realize, you know what, all this time I thought that this passage meant a certain thing. We've all had those passages. Sure. Exactly. You know, where we've just maybe taken the verse out of context, right? Yeah. Um, just heard the verse. And then when we realize what it really is speaking about, we're like, oh, I've been misusing that way too long. Right. So I really appreciate uh, you find pointing a, out. Find a
1: balance between 30 seconds and three years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a little, a broad balance. A little but bit a of balance. balance
1: in there. Yeah. <laughs> and That's then I would good. say, um, you know, as you've Done your own trying to understand the path. And then you've looked at the commentaries and corrected anything if necessary. Just add it. A lot of times it's, you're just adding to your knowledge, maybe not even needing correction so much. Sure. But then write a paragraph or two as a summary of what you've learned, because I think that helps us remember. And it's it's good. We won't remember everything, sure. but I mean... I. I remember a girl in class saying, Oh, I can't remember anything about First Peter and my pastor preached on it all last summer and I'm like, Oh my gosh that but it's characteristic of us, you know, we sit and we take in but we don't remember. So I think if you summarize what you've learned, it helps you to hold on to some of that. Good. And then obviously the last step, application, where you're talking Kim about being a doer of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not enough just to study and fill our heads with head knowledge, but to be asking God, what are there specific things in this passage I've now studied that really apply to me? How can I apply this in my life? How can I be obedient? To the Word and not just listening, not just studying, but really seeking to live it out.
0: Well, and not being um, like we're studying in Acts right now and in chapter 17 where uh, the the people in Athens were taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that oh, and right the, the word there where they're taking all these different aspects of knowledge that they were literally like seed pickers yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's not what we're doing right right so we're we're in a passage and we're not seed picking right you know uh, or as a friend of mine used to say we're not called the lucky dip you know? <laughs> <laughs> where we are you know just come in and yeah. hope for the best whatever we pull out yeah. Um, but you really are invested in a, a passage, right? a whole passage of Scripture. exactly. And you're saying, I want to obey. I don't just want the head knowledge. Right. Um, I want that transfer from my brain to my heart, that very short distance, but that very necessary distance of application. Right. Um, and we, we want to be doers of the word. Um, and that's why at Women's Hope, we say we want to grow in the grace and the knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Because of that right. grace is the enablement of our Lord that he has given us to obey right. the things that we have learned in the right. scripture. Right. And that comes from him. And what a better place to be reliant upon right. than the grace of God.
1: Right. And study is a great way of meditation as well. We're talking about growing in our biblical thinking, meditating Mm -hmm. on the Word, because if you're studying something, maybe also memorizing it, but even if you're not memorizing that passage, you're going over it over and over again, and Mm -hmm. that becomes a form of meditation and just Mm -hmm. really asking God to make it real in your own life.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I believe personal study is so important, but at our church, you know, I encourage personal study, but we meet together to go over what we have learned, yeah. you know, and I yeah. teach the women on a specific passage. We're going through uh, Hebrews 1 through 4 this year. And with going through that, you know, I'm having them do these steps that you're, that, you know, that you've spoken on. And so I've, I, in the summer, was asking them, start reading. Start reading the book of Hebrews. Right. And I loved getting text messages from the women saying, oh, I've been reading the whole book. This is so wonderful. <laughs> this great. is so good yeah. and and so rich. And uh, I said, well, I'll just wait till we get to actually study it. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful because it is such a wonderful book. But, you know, um, there's a corporate aspect of doing this together, right? right? So right. having someone to partner with. Yes. Um, tell me your thoughts on that.
1: I think it's great, for, and it helps with discipline and accountability if you're partnered with somebody else, that we're each going to do our own study, and then we'll get back together and talk about it and compare what we're learning. Um, I think it's huge. And I think, too, in the study, then when you get to the application, it may be a little bit different for two people or five or ten people. and And then people start to learn from each other In terms of how do I apply apply this in my life, maybe one woman sees a way it applies to her and somebody else is thinking about something else. But when she hears that, one's like, oh, well, that relates to me, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And just the whole group. And Sometimes people can even say, listen, I've learned this and I need to apply this. And I want you guys to notice in my life if I'm doing this.
0: Um, We call that the so so what now. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes, (laughs) yes. Exactly.
0: So, And if you are partnering with other women, and, yeah. and if you're a leader of women's Bible studies at your church, right. um, and if you are if you have a bigger study, I would encourage personally, if you're in a, a larger church and you're teaching women, that you break up into small groups. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I do when I write our studies for our women is I put the application questions at the end. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that uh, women who are sound in their doctrine and good encouragers that they lead then those small groups with the application. Right. 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 Yeah. And also the prayer of praying about what they've just learned and to be how to be an encouragement to one another in obedience to the scripture that we've learned together. But breaking that down in um, partnering with maybe smaller groups if you're in a really big. You know, a mm. setting. Right. If you're already in a small church, you've got a built in small group, and you know, that's great. Yeah. But the partnering aspect and looking into the application of how to apply the truths that we've learned is crucial. If we stop at the head knowledge, right. there's going to be a lot of puffing up going on. Yes. And we are to guard our hearts from that.
1: It's almost nothing less attractive than somebody who's just full of head knowledge but not living it out at all.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We need to guard our own hearts. But, you know, we've all been in situations where we've seen it. Right. Right, and we can learn from the negative. Yes, exactly, because
1: we don't want to be that. And we all have that potential, right?
0: Yes, the capability is deep within. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) So uh, we have that vestige of sin, Uh, that is rooted in pride that can definitely put us in a situation like that. But uh, so you have mentioned meditation, you've mentioned memorization, you've mentioned reading, and then you mentioned some principles in studying with the observation. And Betty, I think you've given us a really good overview. We're running out of time here, but uh, you did list some resources. And so I will, like I said earlier, put those in our Facebook group. The Women's Hope Podcast Facebook group. Be sure to follow us. Uh, We have over a thousand women that hang out there, and I send little, you know, snippets of, you know, blog articles or different things that we've talked about, um, just different encouraging things, you know, along the way. Um, We're not a real chatty group. Uh, We don't uh, get into some arguments, like some social media groups. Oh, it's a very gracious group, <laughs> and I pray that it stays that way. Otherwise, it'll be shut down in a hot minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but it's. But I will put these references that you that you have mentioned. And, Betty, I just want to thank you so much for coming and just chatting. Uh, your love for the Lord is so evident and has been to me for so many years. And so I'm grateful that uh, what a better topic that I would get to come to the studio at TMU and discuss uh, with you. I, I'm i just beyond elated and grateful to our good God.
1: Thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank I'm you. blessed to be here with you and us to both love God's Word and to be able to talk about it together. What a gift. Thank you. What a gift.
0: (laughs) So, Betty, thank you. But I just also want to thank TMU for another wonderful year of recording. And uh, this will be our last session for 2021. Mm -hmm. And I want to wish our listeners a wonderful blessed. Merry Christmas as you reflect upon the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was our risen Savior, who has uh, brought us hope through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And I pray that you will behold Emmanuel, God with us. Have a wonderful new year we will see you in 2022, Lord willing. Thank you for listening to the Women's Hope podcast of the Masters University. For more resources and episodes, visit masters.edu slash womenshope. For more information on the Masters University, visit masters.edu. We'll see you next time.